May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity. They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now... Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. I'm going to surprise you. It's Terry Barber sitting in for my wife, Mary Danielle. She's under the weather. I'm babysitting our little grandson at the same time. But I have some exciting material for you. I'm going to summary, give you about salvation history by Dr. Scott Hahn. How many of you ever took the course? Oh, you know, we read the book, Our Father Keeps His Promise, it's really salvation history. Let me give you the background on it. Back in 1990, 30-some years ago, I recorded a, a, a seminar uh, teaching on salvation history. It was five talks. They were over an hour long each, and I recorded them and put them on video and audio 32 years ago, and it just took off like crazy because it helped people understand the big picture of Scripture. So what I'm going to do is make it available to you, our listener, if you go to vmpr.org and put Barber down for the um, discount, and you can pick up that whole course for $25. Or if you have a problem doing it that way and you want to just call, call 877-526-2151. But I want to give a summary of the One Holy Nation. Uh, Scott begins the program with a brief uh, review of the covenants. And then after I do that, we're going to get to our scripture. Uh, looked into this point. First, the covenant with Adam, which was a, a marital covenant. The second covenant was with Noah, in which God's church family is a household. Then the generation later, the third covenant with Abraham. At this point, God is fathering a family through this new covenant that is a tribal family church. Now, the focus will be to bring the examination of Abrahamic covenant to close by briefly summarizing the closing chapters of Genesis. Okay? Scott will lay the foundation in understanding the fourth covenant that God established with Moses. And again, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get the whole course for like a huge discount. And if you can't even afford it, we'll send it to you. But $25, you get the whole course. You can go to Steubenville and try and get it, and you'll spend thousands at school. But <clears throat> I want you to have it so you can go to vmpr.org, uh, and the, the password is barber. Uh, God establishes with Moses transforming the 12 tribes of Israel. We all know about the 12 tribes. We talked about that. So that they are no longer one tribe, our tribal family church, but a nation of 12 tribes and a national family of God. But with the Mosaic Covenant, salvation history moves into a decidedly new phase. Sometimes it's called the Levitical. Sometimes it's called the legal phase of salvation history. Because now, God is going to strip the priesthood away from the fathers and sons and give it to the tribes of Levi. This is all in the Old Testament. Originally, Israel was called to be a nation of priests to the other nations. But after that golden calf incident, you know that one I'm talking about at Mount Sinai, the priesthood was given to the Levites alone for over a thousand years. Isn't that fascinating? I know. From Moses until the coming of Christ, we have a legal stage of salvation history. Scott does a marvelous job on this. 
wherein all the Levitical ceremonies and all the animal sacrifices that are performed by the Levite priests are going to be substantially the liturgy of God's family. The covenant with Moses, however, moves beyond the natural family to a more bureaucratic interim arrangement with the tribe of Levi serving as priests. But all of this is preparation for the final covenant that is yet to come in Jesus Christ. The salvation history that Scott does, he just lays it all out so beautifully. When you look at the events surrounding the Mosaic Covenant and those surrounding the new covenant in Jesus Christ, you're going to notice that Jesus sees himself as a new Moses. This is very, you know, why this is so important to understand is because if you don't understand the Old Testament, you miss so much in the new. When Moses was born, he was almost slaughtered, right? Remember the story. Likewise, when Jesus was born, he too was almost slaughtered by a royal decree. Do you see the connection? His parents had to flee for safety and went down to Egypt. After the king died in this case, Matthew says, out of Egypt I have called my son. Do you see the connection, folks? It's exciting. I love that. Quoting Hosanna's reflection on Exodus. If Israel is God's firstborn son, how much more Jesus Christ, Israel, was enslaved in Egypt. And so was Jesus. Israel was brought up out of Egypt, and so was Jesus. Israel was brought through the waters of the Red Sea. Jesus was brought through the waters of the Jordan. Do you see the connections? It's amazing. Talk about biblical scholarship. Israel had to go for 40 years into the wilderness, and Moses fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. Here comes the connection. Jesus also fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. Moses had to go up the mountain to give the law to the people to show what Father wants. As soon as Jesus had been out in the wilderness for 40 days, he goes up and preaches the Sermon of the Mount, giving the new covenant law. Moses took the 12 chiefs and the 12 tribes and then 70 elders to fashion a new church government. Jesus also takes 12 disciples and says, you will sit on the 12 thrones and rule the 12 tribes of Israel. Luke chapter 10 tells us that Jesus also took 70 other disciples as well. This, these connections are outstanding. Scott, good job on putting it all together. Now, in John 6, they said, You are the prophet that Moses promised, the prophet like unto Moses, and the Passover was no different. Christ is the firstborn son who was slain in Egypt, and he's also the lamb without blemish. This is great meditation for Holy Week coming up. Christ, right, without blemish, without broken bones, and he is slaughtered. Remember, no bones will be broken, even in the crucifixion. Whose blood is sprinkled and whose body must be eaten. This covenant with Moses, here's the key, this is the cash value here. This covenant with Moses is the foundation for understanding what Jesus was doing and why he saw himself as the new Moses, giving a new covenant to constitute a new Israel. I hope that got you excited because I want to get you the whole course, about seven or eight hours. I don't have time to do it here on the radio, but I can get it for you. And that is go to vmpr.org, put Barbara as their discount code, or call us at 877-526-2151. Get Salvation History by Dr. Scott Hahn. It'll open you up big time to Scripture because what he does is he traces it from Genesis all the way to Jesus Christ. And I don't know if anybody else has done such a good job than Scott Hahn on that topic. Now, we're going to take the gospel when we come back from our break. I'm going to give you some commentary that 
It's really great commentary from the fathers of the church and the documents of the church. It's the Navarre Bible. And the Navarre Bible, this is called the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles series. It's a big, thick book, about 800 pages long. But when I give you the commentary on it, I think you're going to love it. I also want to remind everybody that my wife and I and Dr. Sandoval will be at a, a, a conference on marriage the 7th of May. It's coming up quick. And what we're going to be doing is taking Scripture. We'll take the, the Catechism and my good book called Couples Awaken Your Love by Cardinal Robert Seurat. And he, he his big point is couples need to pray together the Scriptures. Yeah. They need to talk about the Gospels. I would suggest that couples read the Gospels of Mass, daily Mass together, get their input on it, and really reflect on God's Word as a husband and wife and family. So that's one thing that's going on. Also, we want to pray for priests. Rosary Crusade is coming up on the 28th of May out in uh, Sacramento, Father Don Calloway will be there. Uh, I'm one of the I'm the other speaker, Terry Barber, and we're going to be talking about praying for priests. And boy, we need that. Twenty thousand people at a football stadium, not watching a football game, but sharing the gospel and our love for our priests and how to pray for the priests. We're going to come up with some good talks on hopefully inspiring you to be praying every day for our priests, bishops, and the Pope. I know one thing, every Thursday here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, last night, where they're praying before our Eucharistic King for the Holy Father, the bishops, and the priests. And I want to encourage you to check it out. Rosary Crusade for Priests, Sacramento, on the 28th of, of May. It's a Saturday from 12 noon to 5. I can't wait to go. I hope, you, hope you're there also, because this is what we need to be doing in Holy Mother of the Church. We need to be praying our way out of the mess that we're in and get people to know their faith better so they can love their faith better. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle will be back next Friday and I'm going to share the gospel with you in commentary that I think will apply to all of our lives. Stay with us, family, here on The Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. Come join us here at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street in Covina, California on Saturday, May 7th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. You're going to have talks from Mary Danielle and Terry Barber as well as myself, Dr. Luis Sandoval, on marriage and the family. It's going to be a great day to learn about how we can better communicate and how we can get along with each other as couples, how we can strengthen our marriage as a sacrament in the church. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. You can always email me at doctor, that's dr dot sandoval, vmpr at gmail.com. Again, that's dr dot sandoval, vmpr at gmail.com. Let me know if there's any topics you want to hear or anything in particular that interests you. Again, join us on Saturday, May 7th, 2022, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. for the Marriage and Family Conference at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street in Covina, California. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. 
and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary will be back next Friday. She's under the weather. I want to read the Gospel of John to you. And I, again, before I do that, I was so impressed with the salvation history by Dr. Scott Hahn. That was one of his early works uh, before he became popular. And that book was turned into A Father That Keeps His Promise. So I would encourage you to get the recordings of those by going to vmpr.org or calling us at 877-526-2151. All right, here's the reading from the Gospel of John for today. And I talked a little bit about it on the Terry and Jesse show, but I'm going to expand it more with the Navarre Bible. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The Jews picked up rocks to stone Jesus. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my Father. For which of these are you trying to stone me? The Jews answered him, We are not stoning you for good work, but for blasphemy. You, a man, are making yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? It, if it calls them gods to whom the word of God came, the scriptures cannot be set aside. Can you say that one whom Father has consecrated and sent into the world blasphemous because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not perform my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, believe my words, works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. The Trinity, yep. Then they tried again to arrest him. But he escaped from their power. He went back across the Jordan to the place where the John first was baptized and there he remained. Many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many there began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That reading is, again, the Gospel of John just nails it in a way that is just so powerful. Now, I, I share this with you because this is from the Navarre Bible. It points out that, that the very important parable completes the previous one. The parable of the two sons simply identified the indocility of Israel, that of wicked person. So that's, that's where that is. Now, I have, uh, here, I'm sorry, checking from a different one here. This is uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. I got mixed up here. The Jews realize that Jesus is saying that he is God, right? So they want to stone him. But they interpret his words as blasphemy. He was called a blasphemer when he forgave the sins of the paralytic. You remember that? That was in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 to 8. See, there's other times where they just can't handle us. And he will also be accused of blasphemy when he's condemned after solemnly confessing his divinity before the Sanhedrin. Matthew chapter 26, verse 63 to 65. Our Lord then did reveal 
that he was God. But his hearers rejected the revelation of the mystery of the incarnate God, refusing to examine the proof Jesus offered them. Consequently, they accused him a man of making himself God. Faith based itself on reasonable evidence, miracles and prophecies for believing that Jesus is really man and really God. Even though our limited minds cannot work out how this can be so. Thus, our Lord, in order to affirm his divinity, once more uses two arguments which his adversaries cannot refute. The testimony of Holy Scripture, prophecy, and that of his own works. His miracles. I'm like, wait a minute, he's, he's the real deal. Now, on a number of occasions, the gospel has shown our Lord replying to the Jews' objections, right? Here, he patiently, and I might add, patiently uses a form of argument which they regard as decisive. The authority of Holy Scripture, he quotes Psalm 82, in which God upbraids certain judges for acting unjustly despite his reminding them that you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. If this psalm calls the sons of Israel gods and sons of gods, with how much more reason should he be called God who has been sanctified and sent by God? You see, it, these people knew the scriptures so well. Back then, people memorized large portions of the Old Testament. Because guess what? They didn't have TV, internet. This is what they could do. They spent you know, hours doing this. God's human nature on being assumed by the word is sanctified completely and comes to the world to the sanctify men. Now here comes the fathers of the church consistently proclaim that what was not assumed by Christ was not uh, healed. Now Christ took a complete human nature just as it is found in our poor unfortunate but once that was without sin for Christ said of himself that he was one whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world. That's a quote there from Vatican II. By using sacred scripture folks Jesus teaches us that Scripture comes from God. Yep, that's what he did. Therefore, the church believes and affirms that those divinely <coughs> revealed realities which are contained and presented in sacred Scripture have been committed to writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Holy Mother of the Church, relying on the belief of the Apostles, holds that the books of both the Old and New Testament in their entirety with all their parts are sacred, canonical, because having been written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I want to interject something. Dr. Scott Hahn did a series of talks called Can You Trust the Bible? It's on the inerrancy of Scripture. People listening to the Bible, the barbers love, Bible, love the Bible. Well, Scott did a great service to the church, and he did about eight hours of, of classes showing from the church documents and scripture that the church believes in the inerrancy of scripture. And if there's one problem in the church right now that's big is that theologians have poo-pooed the Bible. I'll give you an example. The Cardinal Marx out in Germany saying, homosexuality is okay. That's not what the Bible says. But they think the Bible's wrong, and they're okay with that. That's not Catholic teaching, folks. The Bible is an inherent. It has no error. And there are priests and bishops and cardinals who are trying to say, well, that's just a, you know, an old teaching of the Bible. That can change. No. These are perennial teachings of the church. 
So that's why I want to encourage you to pick up that inerrancy of scripture by Dr. Scott Hahn, and I'll download it for you. You don't have to listen to cassette tapes or, or CDs anymore. Make it convenient by calling 877-526-2151. Tell them it's the old item number 5254, and that will help them find it because that series on the inerrancy of Scripture will help anybody who studies the Bible understand that the Bible is uh, true today, tomorrow, in the future. So, So here it is. God as their author and has been handed on to such to the church. This is scripture. Therefore, since everything is asserted by the Holy Spirit, it follows that the books of scripture must be acknowledged as teaching firmly, faithfully, and without error that the truth which God wanted us to be put in to the sacred writers for the sake of our salvation. Right from Vatican II. Scott gives a great commentary on the on that series. Can you trust the Bible? I'm going to continue a little later here. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to encourage you to pick up resources like the Navarra Bible because it's so important. What I want to do now is I want to take Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen and talk a little bit about faith, hope, and charity. Uh, You've probably heard of Father John Harden, a Jesuit, great Jesuit priest. He passed away 22 years ago. Um... He's very articulate on the faith. What he did, he's, he gave a service to the church. He did the Treasury of Catholic Wisdom. Ignatius Press carries that book. And he took the fathers of the church. He took uh, great saints, St. Ignatius, St. Francis of Assisi. He took the best writings of what the Catholic Church has to offer. And he included Fulton Sheen at the very end of the book because of great Bishop Sheen's great mind in teaching people the faith. And I want to read a little bit to you about faith, hope, and charity, because uh, the insights that Fulton Sheen has on faith is outstanding. You're going to love this. I just wish Bishop Sheen was here today in the church to help us get through the muddy waters that we're going through right now so much confusion because he was so erudite he would lay it out very clearly and you knew exactly what he's saying and what the church teaches and when we come back i'm going to cover about what he has to say about our faith because i'm going to encourage you every day to ask jesus christ for more faith this is something that we all need to do because uh if you don't ask for stronger faith you won't get it and that's, that's been my principle that was taught to me 40 years ago. And I ask Jesus Christ for more faith every day. And you need that in your own life. When you read the Bible, ask Jesus Christ to show you what he wants you to know in the scriptures. It's his love letter to all of us. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. When we come back... We're going to talk about Fulton Sheen's comments regarding faith, hope, and charity. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Lent and Fasting, a reflection from Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. At the beginning of Lent, the liturgy sets before us three penitential practices that are very dear to the biblical and Christian tradition. Prayer, almsgiving, fasting. To prepare us to better celebrate Easter and thus experience God's power. Lent recalls the 40 days of our Lord's fasting in the desert, which he undertook before entering into his public ministry. Through prayer and fasting, he prepared himself for the mission that lay before him, marked at the start by a serious battle with the tempter. The sacred scriptures and the entire Christian tradition teach that fasting is a great help to avoid sin and all that leads to it. 
since all of us are weighed down by sin and its consequences. Fasting is proposed to us as an instrument to restore friendship with God. Through prayer and fasting, we allow Him to come and satisfy the deepest hunger that we experience in the depths of our being, the hunger and thirst for God. At the same time, fasting enables us to grow in the spirit of the Good Samaritan, who bends low and goes to the help of his suffering brother. The ultimate goal of fasting is to help each one of us to make the complete gift of self to God. I'm Matthew Arnold, and this has been a Lenten Reflection from Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Mary will be back on Friday next week. She's under the weather. And um, I had just shared with you that Father John Harden put together a book called Treasury of Catholic Wisdom, Ignatius Press. Get it. It's uh, the fathers of the church, all the great saints. And he included... Someone who I believe is a great saint, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And I say full sheen ahead because here's what he has to say about faith. Faith is not believing that something will happen, nor is it the acceptance of what is contrary to reason. Think this through. Nor is it an intellectual recognition which a man might give something he does not understand or which his reason cannot prove faith are you ready folks this is strong we're reading the bible faith is the acceptance of a truth on the authority of god revealing it like the bible and this is where our supernatural faith comes in folks faith is a supernatural virtue whereby inspired and assisted by the grace of god we believe as true those things which he revealed, not because the truth of these things is clearly evident from reason alone, but because of the authority of God who cannot deceive nor be deceived. This is incredibly important when it comes to our faith. Fulton Sheen points out, before faith, one makes an investigation by reason. Just as no businessman would extend you credit without a reason for doing so, neither are you expected to put faith in anyone without reason. Faith and reason go together. Before you have faith, you study the motives of believing. Like a question, why should I put faith in Christ? Your reason investigates the miracles of his work, right? Check it out. The real miracles, the prophecies which he was pre-announced him, his teachings with your reason. These constitute the preambles of faith from which you form a judgment of credibility. That's the process. This truth that Christ is the Son of God is worthy of belief. Passing to the practical order, you add, I must believe it. From then on, you give your assent. I believe he is the Son of God, and this being so, whatever he reveals, I will accept as God's truth. 
You see where Bishop Sheen is walking you and building up your faith? This motive for your ascent in faith is always the authority of God who tells you it is true. You would not believe unless you saw that you must believe. You believe the truths of reason because there's intrinsic evidence. You believe in the truths of God because there's intrinsic evidence. You believe that the sun is 93 million miles away from the earth, though you never measured it with a yardstick? Nope. You believe that Moscow is the capital of Russia, though you never saw it. So you accept the truths of Christianity on the authority of God revealing in his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that beautiful? So faith, therefore, is never blind since your reason is dependent on uncreated reason or divine truth. It follows that your reason should bow down to what God reveals. Right? I might not... It makes If God said it, it's good enough for me. You believe now not because of the arguments that there were only a necessary primary. You believe because God said it. The torch now burns by its own brilliance. See that? So here it comes. The nature of the act of faith was revealed by our Lord's attitude towards the unbelieving Pharisees. They had seen miracles worked, prophecies fulfilled. They were not lacking in motives for belief. But they still refused to believe, right? No, they didn't want to believe. Our Lord took a little child in his midst and said, remember in the gospel? Amen, I say to you, whoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter into it. Great first to remember. By this, he meant that the act of faith has more in common with trusting belief of a child in his mother than the assent of a critic. The child believes what the mother tells him because she said it. His belief is an unaffected and trusting homage of love to his mother. When the Christians believe, he does not so because he has in the back of his mind miracles of Jesus, but because of the authority of one who can neither deceive nor be deceived. If we receive the testimony of men, testimony of God is greater. Everybody would agree with that. For this is the testimony of God, which is greater because his, as testified of his Son. He has believeth in the Son of God, had the testimony of God in himself. He that believeth not the Son maketh him a liar because he believed not in the testimony which God hath testified of his own Son. You cannot argue or study or reason a hypothesis or whip yourself into faith. This is an important statement by Bishop Sheen. Faith is the gift of God. He is only a spiritual agriculturalist, tilling the soil of your soul, uprooting a few weeds, breaking up the clods of egotism. <clears throat> it is God who drops the seed. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God. See, faith is a gift from God. Ask for stronger faith. If faith were a will to believe, 
you could produce your own faith by an act of will. All you can do is to dispose yourself for its reception from the hands of God. As a dry stick is better disposed for burning than a wet stick, so humble man is better disposed for faith than to know it all. In another case, as the fire which burns must come from outside the stick, so your faith must come from outside yourself, namely from God. Bishop Sheen, you're nailing it. He says this, when you try to make everything clear by reason, you somehow only succeed in making everything confusion. Once you introduce a single mystery, everything else becomes clear in the sight, in the light of the only one mystery. The sun is the mystery to the universe. It is so bright you cannot look at it. You cannot see it, but in light of it, everything else becomes clear. Doesn't he have good analogies? As Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton once said, but you can see the moon and things under the moon, but the moon is the mother of lunatics. <laughs> so faith is unique and vital. There are not many faiths. Ready? There is only one faith. This is something that we need to address because so many people are teaching syncretism. That means one religion is as good as another. That's not true. And we've made that very clear here at Virgin Most Powerful through the catechism of the Catholic Church we need to really understand that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the light. And no one comes to him except through him. And this is a perennial teaching of the faith. So I just want to uh, bring that point up because we've lived in such confusing times where people get all mixed up about what the church teaches when really... What they're saying isn't what the church teaches. And I also want to remind you of a quote. Never worry who will be offended if you speak the truth of the Bible. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't speak the Bible. And this is why we have Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are speaking the truth in charity, but we will not compromise one iota. Why? Because we believe we have a responsibility to proclaim what Christ taught for all eternity. And we've been given that great gift. When we come back, I'm going to finish up with Fulton Sheen on faith. How do we get stronger faith? We're going to talk more about that and much more. If you want to get that salvation history set by Dr. Scott Hahn, go to vmpr.org. vmpr.org. Stay with us. Here's a great way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Do you have an old car you want to get rid of, motorcycle, RV, or boat? Simply call 855-500-7433, and when they sell that vehicle, a portion of that money comes right back to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's an easy way to do it. I want to thank you for it. Call 855-500-7433. God love you and your family.
How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kloharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I'm taking a lot of material from Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And why do I do that? It's because Fulton Sheen had a gift to communicate the faith in a way that was very, very powerful. And he says this. He says, faith is unique and vital. Yes, there are not many faiths. There is only one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Out of the millions and millions of men who walk this earth, there's only one who is incarnate our Lord. Out of the millions of lights in heaven, there is only one sun to light a world. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Not my church is. That kind of goes against what some modern theologians are saying, doesn't it? Well, that's why I go to Fulton Sheen, because I know I'm not going to get a compromise. Matter of fact, can I read something to you right now, folks? One of the Holy Father's Back in 1949, Pope Pius XII said this, and I I just get fired up every time I read this. We want truth. We don't want error. He said this in 1949, February. He says to a group of Catholics in St. Peter's Square, 100,000 people, he says, do you want a church that remains silent when she should speak? that diminishes the law of God, where she is called to proclaim it loudly, wanting to accommodate it to the will of man. And everybody in that, in that church, or in, in, in St. Peter's Square, yelled out, No! And I love it. You, he says, you want a church that departs from the unshakable foundations upon which Christ founded her? No, we don't. See, this is the Holy Father saying, we can't compromise. Taking the easy way out of adapting yourself to the opinion of the day? No. You want a church that is prey to current trends? A church that does not condemn the suppression of conscience and does not stand up for the just liberty of people? No. We want this, We want an authentic church that speaks Against the world, the devil, and the flesh. He says, do you want a church that locks herself up within the four walls of her temple and unseemingly not concerned about what's going on? No! And forgetting the divine mission received from Christ? No! What is the divine mission? To proclaim Jesus Christ in the four corners of the world and wherever, everywhere. And to believe that our faith is essential for the salvation for people. He says, do you want a church? You, you want a church that goes, uh, hang on a second. Do you want a church 
that will go out to crossroads and preach to people? Yes. Beloved sons and daughters, spiritual heirs of nimblest confessors and martyrs, is this the church you venerate and love? And he says, would you recognize in such a church the features of your mother? Would you be able to imagine a successor of St. Peter submitting to such demands? Mm. He says, let this be a message for every bishop and cardinal. That's the point. It is. It's a message to us all. We want our church to give us the unadulterated truth of the gospel. And that's what Bishop Sheen is doing with this when we're talking about our faith. He says it's unique and vital. Right? He says faith is like life. It must be taken into its entirety. Two mothers appeared in the court of Solomon. Remember this story in the Old Testament? Both claimed a babe as their own. Solomon said that he would divide the child and give each claimant half. Right? We'll just kill the child. One of the women protested and said, Give the babe to her. Wise old Solomon thereupon decided that the babe belonged to the one who protested. For she was the real mother. But folks, the church is like that. The church insists on the whole truth. Hence, you may not pick and choose among the words of our blessed Lord and say, well, I'll accept the Sermon on the Mount. You remember St. John Paul II, and I was in San Fernando at the mission. He says, you know, this uh, Catholicism where you pick and choose, it's not, it's not possible. He says, but by your own words about, are, are you believe about what church is on hell or believe in your own doctrines of motherhood? but cannot accept your teachings that is unlawful for a man to divorce and marry again? See, people try and compromise on that. The truths of God are like the babe. It is either the whole babe or nothing. So when we go to the gospel, we can't pick and choose cafeteria Catholicism, as St. John Paul II called it. No, we can't do that. Every religion in the world, I care not what it is, contains some reflection of one eternal truth. Every philosophy, every world religion, every sect contains an arc of a perfect round in the natural revealed truth. Whether it's Confucianism, has a fraction of fellowship, Indian asceticism, a fraction of the self, where each human has a part of the truth. But we have the fullness of the truth. That is why in approaching those who have not the faith, one should not begin to by pointing out their errors. This is Fulton Sheen. But by rather indicating the fraction of the truth they have in common with the fullness of the truth. Instead of saying to Confucianism, you're wrong in ignoring the fatherhood of God. One should say, you are right in emphasizing brotherhood. But to make your brotherhood perfect, you need fatherhood. I love that. <laughs> of God, the Sonship of Christ, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. You see how we evangelize those non-Christians? I love it. So, with every other religion and sect in the world, today men are starving. One should not go to them and say, do you, do not eat poison. They will kill you. We need only to give bread. And religion is like manner. There is too much emphasis on the errors of the believers and not an emphasis on the affirmation of the truth by the believer. Break the bread of affirmation and teaching and the grace of God will do the rest. Bishop Sheen's given us an approach to convert the world. Yep. It never allows one doctrine to go into your head like wine to an empty stomach. It keeps its balance. For truth is a precarious thing. Like the great rocks in the Alpines, there are a thousand angels at which they will fall. But there is only one with which they would stand. It is easy to be pink in this century, 
as it is easy to be liberal in the 19th century. It's easy to be a materialist today as it was easy to be an idealist in the 19th century. But to keep one's head in the midst of all these changing modes and fantasies, so one is right, not when the world is right, but right when the world is wrong. Great advice. Is the thrill of a typeroper walking the thrill of romance of orthodoxy? So the acceptance of the fullness of truth will have the unfortunate quality of making you hated by the world. Yes, our Lord said that. Because they hated him. They're going to hate you. If the world loves you, you're not living the faith. All the way from the top to the bottom in the church. Forget for a moment the history of Christianity and the fact that Christ exists. Suppose they appeared in this world today, a man who claimed to be divine truth and who did not say, I will teach you the truth, but I am the truth. Suppose he gave evidence by his works of truth in his statement. Knowing ourselves, we, are, we do, with our tendency to relativism and differentism and to the f fusing of right and wrong, how do you suppose we will react to that divine truth? Well, with hatred, yep. Defiance, charge of intolerance, narrow-mindedness, bigotry, and the crucifixion. That's basically what's happened to Christ. That is why our Lord said, what happened to those who accept his truth? If you had been of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember my word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than the master. If you have pers persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will have kept you also. Hence, I believe that if the grace of God did not give me the fullness of truth and I were looking for it, I would begin my search by looking through the world for a church that did not get along with the evil world. Doesn't that make sense? If that church were accused of countless lies, hatred because it refused to compromise, ridicule people, because it refused to fit in the times at all times, I would suspect that since it was hatred by which what the world is, therefore what was good and holy, and if it's good and holy, must be divine. And I would sit down by its fountains and begin to drink the waters of everlasting life. What are those waters? The Holy Eucharist. That's why some people in the church, you know, are saying, you don't need to be Catholic, just be a good person. They're wrong! Even if it was the Pope that said that, he's wrong. That's not what the church teaches. The mandate the church gave to us is to go out and proclaim Jesus Christ to all the world. That's what we're trying to do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Remember what Fulton Sheen said. This is a powerful quote that I have. He said, If there is no hell, then there is no sin. If there is no sin, then there is no judge. And if there is no judge, then evil is good and good is evil. You see, we have a belief that we have revealed truth, objective truth, that God has given to us with the Bible. This is the Bible with the barbers. Can you tell? Never worry about who will be offended if you speak God's truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't share God's truth. Next week, Mary will be back. I'll probably be babysitting. But I sure enjoyed chatting with you about salvation history. Don't forget, you can pick up Scott Hans. Salvation History by calling 877-526-2151 or go online to bmpr.org. May God richly bless you and your family. The Bible's with the Barbers. God love you. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance, 
and return to thee O Lord Lord give us holy priests thou thyself maintain them in holiness O divine and great high priest may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares which are continually being set for the souls of priests may the power of thy mercy O Lord shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests for thou canst do all things amen virgin most powerful pray for us virgin most powerful radio sharing the gospel with clarity and charity The Sorrowful Mystery